What's that odor? Oh, it's on Deeper Reflection. Hey folks, Scott Weingart here. And today we're discussing email, part two. Part one was strategy. And you should listen to that one if you haven't already. Today we're going to discuss tactics and logistics. And uh, I think it's going to be pretty good. Just some follow-up on last episode. I was talking to two of my buddies uh, about the concept, uh, specifically the concept that if you create the right email inbox for your primary email, meaning you're creating what I am calling a joy box, only good things arrive there, things you want to see, things that will not make you miserable, or occasionally things that are so important you would have wanted to see them anyway, like a family member reaching out for help or something along those lines. But you've eliminated all the work in a separate email. You've not had any social notifications, any package notifications. If you had an inbox that was just pure joy, then checking it often wouldn't be as much of a problem. Now, I got pushback from two of my buddies. One was Fred Lemire, and the other was Rob Orman. And both basically said the same thing, which is they're still finding a distraction in their life. And, you know, the question I asked both of them, and perhaps the reason it's okay for me and not working out well for them, is uh, are you checking your email even into this joy box during deep work sessions? Because if you are, then absolutely, uh, that's a big problem. No matter what's in there, it's going to actually cause task switching. You're going to lose focus. You're not going to be able to produce the kind of creativity you want, the flow, the focus. Um, When I am going into a deep work uh, session. Uh, I just don't have my phone in the same room. Uh, I, I just chuck it or, you know, I put it on the charger that's on the uh, credenza behind me. That's a pretentious word right there uh, on the table behind me. And uh, yeah, I'm not checking email during deep work sessions. And if you're tempted to, then you either need to do something or just get your phone the hell out of there. I'm talking about the shallows, the times where, you know, uh, you're not doing anything of true focus or importance. Either you're doing interstitial work or you're just chilling. Um, and during those periods, I got no problem how many times I check email uh, during those periods. Now, the key is to create that joy box. Uh, turn off email notifications entirely. You, you still don't want to be notified, even if it's going to bring you joy, because then you're going to be interrupted at times you want to have focus and concentration. Now, uh, you know, I had an example occur in my own life, which, you know, taught me my own lesson, because when I first started my other podcast, the MCRIT podcast, um, we had a membership program and I wanted to see mirrors of all the customer service emails uh, that my assistant was getting because I was worried, you know, is anyone having trouble? I I want to fix it as soon as possible. And I was having those sent to my primary inbox. Big mistake. That inbox rapidly went from a joy box to an anxiety box. And I didn't want to check that bad boy more than like once a day um, until I realized this is stupid and I, I started forwarding those emails to a different address, a address specifically for that purpose that I would only check once a day. So you absolutely can craft an email box that you could check eight, 10 times a day with no loss. In fact, potentially some gain because each time you open the box, it's more good, more fun, and you're not interrupting any deep work sessions. So hopefully that clarifies what I was saying in the last episode. Okay, let's get into the really nitty gritty tactical level for email. Now, I break up this stuff into receiving emails, processing emails, sending emails, and following up on emails. And we'll go through each of those four categories, and then we'll do a little bit of random stuff. All right, let's talk about receiving emails. Now, I mentioned this in the last episode, but it's really key, so it's worth mentioning again, is you want to have a one-touch policy on your emails. And this is what 
has been dubbed inbox zero, but that term I think is bad because it implies you have nothing in your inbox. But what the idea is, is that you've processed everything in your inbox on the first touch. So the idea is uh, you already know what's happening with it. You've mentally processed it. It doesn't mean it's out of your inbox. It means if it's something you're going to do tomorrow morning, you already have the plan in effect in your head. Tomorrow morning when I see this email, I'm going to do X. That is not anxiety producing. You know exactly what you're going to do. Where the anxiety comes from with email in your inbox is when it hasn't been processed. And each time you look at it, you dread, what the frack am I going to do about the problem or idea or situation mentioned in this email? And that is a pain point. So you want none of those. So either you take it out and you put it into a task system or you uh, bring it back to your inbox. We'll talk about that in a second, though that's a dangerous, slippery slope to go down. Or you mentally process what the hell you want to do about it. Now, the other thing that will keep stuff out of your inbox is filtering. Now, you could just make a joy box that's one address and then everything else or uh, a multiplicity of different addresses could host all the other things in your life. And you should really, if you're working, have at least two, right? There's your primary inbox and then you should have a work email. We talked about it in the last episode. Never mix your work email into your primary inbox or there's no way it's going to maintain any semblance of joy. Now, if you want just one email address for your personal stuff, you could do that in most systems by just adding dots anywhere in the uh, prior to the at swooping, you know, figure uh, in your email address. So if your address is, as mine is, you know, scott.weingart at gmail.com, that's one address. And Scott Weingart without the dot is actually a different address in Gmail's mind from the filtering perspective. And S dot. C-O-T-T, Weingart, at gmail.com is another address, too. So you could say, I'm going to put all of my journals in one of those addresses. I'm going to put all of my social crap in another one, and I'm going to put the joy box in the one with no dots. And all of a sudden, if you learn filtering on Gmail or any of the other uh, email systems out there, all of a sudden you could filter based on those as separate addresses, even though they're all coming to one place. Now, Gmail goes a step further and actually allows you to have multiple inboxes, and that's what I do. So I have one address, um, but my my joy box, my inbox, uh, is has been relentlessly filtered such that I never see anything even though they're there in separate Gmail inboxes, uh, unless I want to, unless I click those tabs. Now, you might not have the wherewithal and self-control to not click those tabs, so then you just want a separate email account for each of those things. But if you could control yourself, then having it all in one, technically one inbox that is actually, for me, three inboxes, but you could have up to five, I believe, and by using filtering, and I'm not gonna go into exactly how to filter. Uh, You could find countless YouTube videos on that. Um, But once you learn how to set up filters, all of a sudden the work is done automatically. Now, like once, I'll give you two super simple examples of how filtering helps declutter my life. One, anytime I get an Amazon notification that something has shipped, it never goes into any of my inboxes. It is filtered and automatically forwarded to an iOS app I use called Deliveries. Now, Deliveries gives you a forwarding address, and it automatically parses that Amazon shipped email, and it actually stores, you know, the package tracking number, which tracking which company it is, uh, when it's expected to arrive, and I just open my Deliveries app, and boom, uh, all of a sudden, I know where all my packages are. I can know if one never arrived without those cluttering my email inbox. 
Another one I do is I filter all messages containing the word unsubscribe into the tab that I only check once a day. And that's where all of the social notifications go. That's where all of the, uh, all the crap goes. I mean, that's essentially a junk email tab. So I have my joy box. I have that tab where all the things go. And one of the filters I have there is anything with the word unsubscribe, which means it's not from a friend, a buddy, a family member, goes into that second tab. And the third tab for me is all of my journal uh, e-table of contents notifications. And you know what I'm talking about if you're an academic. Okay, so that is the receiving side of filtering. Now, Let's go a step further. This is, uh, as someone who sends out mailings to people who have requested them, uh, that's part of my life here, I'm going to beg you when you're receiving and you get an email you don't like, but it's not actually spam, please, please don't hit spam on that email. That is not an effective way to get it out of your inbox. Just archive it or delete it unless it's actually spam. And what spam is, is not something you don't like. Spam is something that is an unsolicited advertisement. So if you get a mailing from MCRIT, my other podcast, and you have signed up for those, the way to unsubscribe is not to hit spam. Um, because yes, it will stop them from coming in your email box. It will also markedly damage my sending reputation and potentially screw over whoever you're doing that to. So just click the unsubscribe link. Uh, okay, now, in uh, converse, if you actually are receiving spam, don't just archive or delete it, actually hit spam because that will tell Gmail, first of all, for you, uh, you don't want those anymore. They'll all automatically go into your spam folder, but also uh, it will affect the Gmail environment or whatever email client you're in, uh, in general. And therefore, uh, potentially screw these people over from trying to extort your time and attention. All right, another filter, a mental filter instead of a email system filter that I always have in mind is your piss poor planning is not my emergency. Now, what do I mean by this? Sometimes I'll get frantic emails from people uh, who have not done good planning and uh, they'll want something at the very last minute that will potentially eat away at my time with my family or what have you. Uh, I don't look at the rapidity of their necessity if it's a result of their poor planning. Uh, that will happen in the next scheduled work period where I'm going to actually process email. And you just have to get in the habit of that. And, you know, Tiago Forte, one of the productivity folks out there who I follow, says, don't let your email inbox be someone else's to-do list. Um, he actually said it differently, which is email is someone else's to-do list. But I think you have the wherewithal and control to prevent that from happening. So uh, don't let that be the case. And I think that brings us to processing. So let's go into that. So one thing I beg you to stop doing is stop filing and foldering emails. This is a dramatic waste of your time. Now, there's always two camps on this, and some people, this is their life. I think this is a horrible idea. Um, it, first of all, it's very difficult to find folder systems, uh, you know, to figure out where the message is, unless you have like just two or three folders, at which point, what's the point? Um, and what you could actually do is if you have an email that's relevant to a project that's going on, you actually, in almost every program I know of, you can link those emails. You just copy what's in the URL um, browser bar and you can put that in your task manager. So if there's an email you really need related to a project, then just put that as a comment in one of your tasks in your to-do list. Um, or you could put in a calendar event if there's information in there you need for actual a timed event. The other thing you could do uh, in almost every to-do system out there, especially the ones I recommend, which are Todoist, OmniFocus, or ClickUp, 
is you could actually set up a forwarding email such that you could forward that email to your task manager. You know, it gives you a secret address to do that. And all of a sudden, it's, a task is created automatically with no work on your part. And now you don't need that email anymore because all of the contents of that email becomes part of that task. And in many of them, uh, it actually is a link to the original email as well placed there. So it's really the way to go. All right. Now, whenever you're processing, you need to decide, is this a task I want to you know, actually do or do I just want to uh, get rid of this email because I'm never going to do it? And that brings up future Homer. And, you know, I did an entire episode on this. I'll port it over to On Deeper Reflection about uh, future Homer and Ikigai and the idea of, you know, figuring out things that really make you happy when choosing whether you want to do something or not. But the idea of future Homer is that we have a real cognitive uh, blind spot in terms of how miserable what we choose to do today will actually be for the person that has to do it. So, you know, someone invites you to a trip for Singapore and all you think about is, oh my God, that sounds amazing, all the food and they speak English and oh my God, I totally want to do that. And uh, so you say yes, and then when the trip actually happens six months from now, uh, you think about all of the fact that, you know, I need to take all this time off from work, and I have to be away from my family, and, you know, they can't come, and, and you, the future you didn't want to do that, even though it sounded amazing from the person six months prior. So you really have to put yourself in the shoes of, uh, if this trip was coming up tomorrow, would I be feeling great about it? In which case, say yes, or would I be saying, oh, now is not the time, I do not want to be doing this tomorrow then maybe six months from now will not be that different. All right. Now, a lot of email clients and a service that I actually use called Boomerang has what's called a snooze button. Uh, they'll call it various things, but that's essentially what it is. You know, the email's there and you're like, I don't want to see this now. I want to see this four days from now. And you could just snooze that email and it reappears in your box four days from now. Now, that is brilliant if you've already processed in your mind what you want to do for that email, but you can't do it now. Now, you could just put it on your task manager, but if it reappears in your email box and you've already processed it, you're going to know exactly what needs to be done. And all of a sudden, it's going to appear at just the right time. You wake up that morning, boom, the email's there. That is a wonderful use of a snooze button. Uh, you've processed it. You know what to do. You hit snooze. It appears. You do it. Boom. Great. Now, what is not a good use of the snooze button is to avoid processing the email. Um, if you keep snoozing the email, it's just going to keep appearing and making your life miserable. And chances are, if you keep snoozing it, the reason is you don't want to do the thing. So get out of it. Find a way to not do it. Or if you're stuck, if you know it's something, you know it's from your boss, you have no choice, then do it. Just do it. And if you don't want to do it right now, then just put in your task manager and stop snoozing the friggin' emails that you haven't processed yet. All right. Now, when I go on a trip, not a vacation, but like a business trip, or I'm out of the uh, my office for a while, and I want to process email quickly. There's an app I use that is friggin' brilliant called Triage 2. There was Triage 1. Uh, it was good. The Triage 2 is even a better iteration. This is only iOS as far as I know, but you should check. Maybe there is Android. I have the iOS linked in the show notes. And what Triage 2 lets you do is just essentially two things. It shows you a snippet of the email, like the first paragraph, the subject line, who it's from. And if you swipe left, it archives it. If you swipe right, it saves it in your inbox. So all of a sudden, you could process like 30 emails. You know, you just keep swiping. 28 of them are gone because you realize you never need to see this again. Um, and then two of them remain. So then when you go back to your inbox the next day, uh, you only have two instead of 30. And it was downtime. You know, you're on, uh, uh, you're waiting at the doctor's office, for instance. And, you know, you're not doing something fun like listen to a podcast. Sometimes I'll just knock through that. And when I'm on these trips, I don't want to come home to 200 emails 
or 2,000 in the old days. It doesn't happen anymore. I've stopped that. Uh, but I don't want to come home to 200 emails. So click, 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 done. And like literally you could plow through 200 emails in like two minutes um, because you just most of the emails, it's just like, yep, got it, got it, got it. You never need to see them again. And you can click the actual snippet and it will open up the full email. You can't reply, which is good because it keeps you from having to do that stuff. But you can see the full email on the side. Uh, is it recycle bin? You know, it archives it or is it um, keep it? Brilliant, brilliant app. All right, that's processing. Let's talk about sending. Now, the first thing I say about sending emails is, is this really the right mode of communication? Now, I have a two-by-two table in the show notes that you should check out. Um, and what that is, is on the vertical, it's asynchronous and synchronous. Now, asynchronous means uh, it could happen anytime. Synchronous means I really need an answer right now. And then on the horizontal, it's important and not important. So let's talk about each box. So if it's asynchronous and important, then the two choices are either email or snail mail uh, because it gives you the time to actually use the written word in full form, you know, and that's the best way to communicate because A, it allows you to think carefully through everything you want to say in a way that is uh, the best possible presentation of it. And... Um, but it's, it's not going to happen right away. I mean, especially with the people listening to this uh, podcast, you might not check email more than once every two days or so. So it's not going to happen synchronously, and that's fine. That's why it's in that box. So mail or snail mail. God, people love receiving letters. So if you had something really, really important and meaningful, uh, actually go into writing a letter or even typing a letter and sending it in a nice envelope, wow, really shows care. All right, how about synchronous and important? Well, that's a phone call right? Synchronous and important. That's a phone call. That's what you should be doing. Now, where do texts go? Texts are when they're synchronous, but not important. Synchronous, but not important, right? Um, that's when text should be used. Now, my significant other, she will send me all the time ultra important things by text. Well, text is not good for that because the, the boxes don't stay intact. Um, there's an excellent chance you're going to mix that text and, and also, the, the brevity makes it less likely that the important thing is going to be conveyed well. So I beg her not to. She doesn't listen. She is anti-every productivity tip I will give you is uh, what my significant other will follow. But that, in my mind, is the purpose of text, is synchronous but not important. If it's important and it's synchronous, call me, please. If it's important and asynchronous, email me, please. All right, and then the... Asynchronous and not important, well, who cares? Do whatever the hell you want. Consider not even sending it. But if it's just for funsies, then do whatever you want. Email, text. People love texts that are not important and asynchronous. Uh, for me personally, I'd rather not get them, but uh, I don't care. You know, if it's not important, send it however you damn well please. Um, there you go. Okay, what else about sending? When you're actually composing the email, make a good subject line. For F's sake, make a good subject line. It is absolutely key to have a good subject line so people could actually figure out what the email's about and decide whether they're gonna open it or not. Many people are not doing what I'm doing and processing all emails in one shot. And so if your subject line sucks, you're not gonna get read. And if you could actually put uh, what the hell you want in that subject line, it really helps. Now, along the same lines is a concept in the military called bluff. Bluff it, bluff it now. Stop with the crap, bluff. Bluff is bottom line up front. Give the bottom line in the first paragraph of the email and then contextualize. That allows people to start getting in their mind what they should be preparing themselves as they read this whole long email. And they might not have to read the email at all 
if you actually have the bluff up front. So bluff up front. First paragraph, what the hell you want in brief synopsis form before you go into the entire email. All right. And now by the same token, the CTA, the call to action up front, meaning if you need something from this person, put it in the damn bluff paragraph right up front. Otherwise, they're probably not going to read it. Um, And then you're going to potentially lose out on what you are asking for as a favor. All right, next step in composing an email. Lose the steps of back and forth whenever possible. Cal Newport in his brilliant book, Deep Work, a book I think is better about email uh, issues than his email book, which came out later and I found to be not that great, uh, is to eliminate whenever possible, to put the mental effort into how do I eliminate the back and forth while I'm composing this email? Meaning you don't say to someone, hey, what do you think about us meeting up to talk about this? Because then they have to say, yeah, sure. And then you have to write back, okay, how about next Wednesday? And they're like, oh no, can't do next Wednesday. And then, so this could be a, like a nine or 10 email chain to get to where you could have been if you just said, hey, I'd really love to meet up with you. If you're amenable, one of these three dates could possibly work which of them might, uh, and you just give them three dates and times. Now they might say, oh, none of those work. How about X? You know, Because now you've encouraged them. They now understand how email works, that they should then give you a counter date. Um, but if you just go through this ridiculousness of, um, of back and forth, you're wasting your own time and theirs. Now, you know, along those same lines, now that I gave that example, is use a damn scheduling program uh, like Doodle or Calendly to actually be able to give four or five times and dates that work for you in a way that they could pick. And if you're meeting with two people or three people or four, this is even more important because it's like a 50 email chain if you don't do this. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go to doodle.com or calendly.com and you'll see what I'm talking about. But uh, this is, uh, it should be a no-brainer. You should be using these to set up meetings and hangouts uh, because otherwise uh, it's torture for everyone involved. Okay, now, There is the capability in every email program out there to use autofill and templates, which means you could set up, if you're sending the same email time after time, then you can actually create a template so that you don't ever have to type all that stuff. And then you only have to type the things that are slightly different for those emails. Now, again, there's multiple YouTube videos you could see about email templating, but just the idea of uh, being able to replicate emails is game-changing. Now, uh, autofill, uh, for both the PC and Mac, there's apps like Text Expander on the Mac or Phrase Express on Windows allows you to, uh, for instance, I have one for my home address. I, I type uh, a semicolon, which is my uh, delimiter for all of these autofill things, and then I just type A-D-D-R, and all of a sudden my home address is there, uh, my phone number, all of these things that uh, I'd have to type a hundred times a day. All of a sudden I only type four characters and they just appear. Um, my email signature is the same way. That way I could choose for an email whether I want a signature or not, or different signatures depending on the email. All of these could be done by autofill apps. Again, this may be a whole separate show on ODR uh, coming in the future, but just consider that. And if it could help you, then just search up uh, a YouTube video on those, either Text Expander or Phrase Express. All right, sending later. Now for this, I use an app called Boomerang. Um, There's other programs that'll do this for the various email clients. Boomerang works for, I think, uh, both Gmail and Outlook. Uh, But what Boomerang does, it's a whole suite of things that really help my email productivity. But one of the things on there that comes for the sending side of things is the ability to send later. Now this is game changing. All of a sudden, I could compose an email now and instead of sending it to someone at two o'clock in the morning and looking like a lunatic, I could actually uh, have it send 
at 10 o'clock in the morning. Or if I want to uh, pace out the email conversation, I don't want to have the rapid fire responses because that just gets them to respond rapidly too. Uh, I could say send later two days from now. Or if it's not relevant yet, I could actually send it later, whatever, four days from now. Um, so the ability to compose now but send later, it, also a game-changing move in email. Okay, when you're sending, consider using emojis or emoticons because tone is really hard to convey in the written word. And people get really offended at things that you thought were completely innocuous. Emojis or emoticons are some of the best forms of communication that have been uh, created. They're not just for, uh, you know, Gen Z. If Even if you're a boomer, consider learning uh, emojis being the newer way. And emoticon, what an emoticon is in, in uh, contrast to an emoji, I think everyone knows this, but just in case you're super old, an emoji actually is creating the uh, the image itself of a smiley face, for instance, while an emoticon was what we used when we were on the old bulletin boards when I was a kid on my computer, which is, you know, a, a colon and a um, and a parentheses to generate a happy or smiley, uh, happy or sad face without having to have the picture itself. Um, but either way, really helps you uh, get your tone across, um, whether you're being sarcastic or just, you know, little barbs. All right, I have a few links here on how to compose better emails that are well worth checking out in the show notes. Um, if you want to get less emails, send less emails. Uh, that is definitely true. Uh, but in the converse of that is you might be better off if you're trying to send an email asking for seven separate things or with seven separate ideas, sending seven separate emails, because then the subject line will vary. The call to action will vary. And, um, it really helps the person involved because they might have one of the emails that they could get rid of. They, you know, there's nothing for them to do. Um, or, uh, well, if you sent it as one big one, each time they open that email for the, there's seven things in there and only one has an action call, um, they have to read all seven of them. They're going to start hating you. Uh, so that, that's a great way to go. And it also feeds into the next idea, which is shorter emails are better emails. Uh, try really hard to prune the verbiage in your email. Uh, if you're writing to someone who's getting 200 emails a day and they open it up and it's one paragraph, the chances of them reading that are dramatically higher than three-page emails. All right, we already mentioned bluff, or uh, but part of that uh, bluff idea that you could also use is TLDR. And TLDR is too long, didn't read. And you could put on the top of your email, TLDR, uh, very similar to bluff, and just put one sentence encompassing what the email is about. Um, and then they could decide based on that whether to read it or not. All right, next up, write email like you speak. Written long-form letters you send in a mail should be in uh, the kind of... Uh, verbiage you learned in in elementary school. But emails, at least in my personal opinion, work much better if they're colloquial. So really writing email like you speak will give a uh, a real jump up on the readability for it. You can write in the subject line, NRN, if you're with tech people in the know, more likely they won't understand what that stands for. So what you could put in the subject line or somewhere in the email, but I really like it in the subject line, no reply necessary. And then, a, then you know, a hyphen or a colon and the actual subject. And that tells people they don't need to say thanks because those thanks emails build up and they're also a pain in the butt. I don't, I don't need it. So no reply necessary in the subject line, huge win. All right. If it's important, don't put the sender in the, the to spot until you're actually ready to send. This is game changing. You know, if you're writing to your boss uh, with a with a big request, uh, you don't want that to go out before you've edited it down to like seven iterations. Don't put there 
address in the two. Leave the two blank. Do your email, compose it, you know, and then when you're sure at the last minute, the last thing you should do, put their email address in the to field. That will save your ass um, from inadvertently sending things that are not good, especially if you're angry and you still decide you want to compose an email to anyone. Uh, the win is to compose it. Don't put the two address in there and then sleep on it. And then if you still want to send it the next day, then you could add the two address. Now, um, a slightly more timely uh, way to save your ass is in many of the email programs, um, Gmail being the one I know best, you could actually undo an ascend, undo the send. And it's a variable time that you put in the settings for that function. And I have it, I think I have it as like two minutes. Now that means that my emails are going to be delayed. Or maybe I've, I think I went to 60 seconds, which means my emails will be delayed by 60 seconds, which for me is well worth it because uh, I could undo the send within those 60 seconds. There's a little uh, link that appears in the lower left saying, do you want to undo send? And if I undo, it never got sent. It was held in Gmail's servers for those 60 seconds. That will save your butt. I can't tell you how many times that saved my butt. All right. To save pain for other people, do not put people in the uh, carbon copy field unless you need to. Unless they really need to be there, don't put them there. They don't need this extra email. Uh, now, along the same lines, please, for the love of all that is holy, do not reply to all unless it is absolutely pertinent to all. And in fact, you should go into the settings of your email client and change the default from reply all to reply to the sender. That's available in every email client out there, and it will just save misery. I mean, I, on hospital email lists, the countless times where people are opting into something completely for themselves from a mass email that goes to me and everyone else in the entire hospital, not to mention the environmental impact of that, but just the sheer pain in the ass of having to delete those emails makes me want to kill someone. I mean, not literally, but close. Um, so don't reply to all and take it off default. And here's a, you know, the passive-aggressive uh, manager move. If you're sending a message to the staff, but you don't want to reply to all about them, you know, complaining, that's then going to get seen by everyone, then put the uh, email, send, send it to yourself in the to address, and then put the actual staff mass mailing address in the blind CC column, uh, the blind CC uh, box. And what that will do is then they'll have no choice. There is no reply all available to them. They will only be able to reply to you and not to the uh, mass mailing email address, which will really cut down on the horrible people that just send stupid-ass emails that should never be sent to mass mailing. And it'll just come to me, and then I could deal with it accordingly. All right, prune forwards and replies. Now, what do I mean by this? If you're forwarding an email that is a chain of like 300 replies, have some kindness to the person you're forwarding it to and just uh, cut down to just what they need to see as the new person in the forward chain. And if you realize you've gone back and forth with someone uh, through like 30 iterations of the email back and forth, uh, it's worthwhile to just take a second and delete everything except the most recent email um, that's not relevant because they, they get really annoying. So I prune uh, when uh, pertinent the forwards and replies. Okay, and this is a power move. When the subject of an email chain changes, change the subject. When you send a new reply to someone, you have the ability, and you have to go and click an extra link, but you have the ability to edit the subject line, and if you do that, it will really help them out to know this is a different thing that still requires the email chain that uh, was already there. Otherwise, you should just send a new email, but something's changed in the purpose of seeing that email chain now. Change the subject. 
All right, we're running along, so I'm going to power through the last few parts. Following up, loop closure is the most damaging thing about email because it provokes anxiety or it provokes uh, losing things you need to track. Now, in the old days, uh, I would have to add to my task manager in the waiting section uh, that I'm expecting a response to a really important email. That was torture. Uh, That just adds extra steps. Now, for me, my Boomerang app that I had mentioned earlier, linked in the show notes, actually allows me for any message I like to say, if this message is not responded to in X amount of time, and you choose what X is in a little drop-down menu, if there's no reply within X amount of time, like no reply within two days, bring it back into my inbox. Holy crap, game changer. My email-induced anxiety disappears. Anything important, I know. I don't have to worry about tracking whether or not this person uh, actually responded, and that could get lost. You could be a month later, you realize, oh shit, they never responded. Well, that anxiety disappears, and yet I don't need to add it to my task manager. Now, you can even uh, bring it back automatically, like we had mentioned earlier, uh, with, regardless of whether there's a reply or not, if you just want that email back in your box. All right, random stuff mentioned. Um, learn to search your email. This is what keeps you from having to file folder your emails. So there's there's real power search moves that are very quick to learn that will allow you to find any email you like with no problem whatsoever, and therefore you don't need folders anymore. All right, newsletters. This has been a game changer for me. I love email newsletters, but they were taking up a lot of my email processing time when what they actually are is pleasure reading for me. That's the only kind of email newsletters. Uh, but they were they were making my email sessions, you know, 30 minutes when an email session should be five minutes. You know, aside from your joy box, take as much time there as you want. So what I realized is they shouldn't be there. And so for my particular news uh, reading service, an an idea called RSS, uh, I'll do a show on it, I promise. Um, But if you know what I'm talking about already, then the good ones actually allow you to subscribe to email newsletters in the RSS feed app in your feed reader app. Uh, well, mine actually generates a separate email address for each newsletter and then appears as if it was an RSS feed. Game-changing. Holy crap. Now, all of a sudden, I'm doing this while I'm sitting on the couch as pleasure reading time and not in my email processing time. Now, if you have questions about this, just put in the comments. I'll explain further what you actually need to do. All right, last idea you need um, to have is the idea of email bankruptcy. If you have 10,000 emails in your inbox right now, you're never going to process those 10,000 emails, nor should you. Most of them have no purpose to process them anymore. Uh, What you do is you just archive them all. Archive all of them. Archive every email in your box. 10,000 of them disappear. Now you have a zero inbox. Now, if you want, you could actually consider sending out a message to every one of your contacts saying you're declaring email bankruptcy. And if there was anything super important, they should resend it. You don't need to do that because people inevitably will resend it anyway. But if you want to be nice, you could send out a message to everyone in your contact list. There's a link on how to do that in the show notes. But that's email bankruptcy. Consider declaring it if you have more than I'd say... I don't know, more than 200 emails in your box right now. Just just get them all out. All right, other stuff. Make sure you have a strong email password. Strong, like really strong. Because uh, if your email gets hacked, it's life-altering and really miserable. Uh, which means, uh, surprisingly, not complicated, difficult-to-remember passwords. But instead, what we're finding right now is uh, make them sentences of things that uh, are easy for you to remember but impossible for a computer algorithm to process quickly. So if you have like a you know 20-character sentence... Uh, which is super easy to remember, just make it crazy, um, that will, you know, be a 
ultra strong email that's super easy to remember. Uh, the other thing you could consider, it's a pain in the ass, is two-factor authentication, which is where uh, you have to get a text message or some other authentication for any new device you use. All right, never put anything important in your work account, uh, anything you care about, because you never know what's going to happen, and you really will be uh, disappointed if uh, you get into a fight with your job, and all of a sudden they decide, yep, you don't have that email anymore. So uh, only keep it for work stuff. Don't sign up to services you care about with your work account. Don't sign up to social media accounts with your work account. Just don't do it. The other thing I would advise is download and archive your work email every, I don't know, year or so or six months. Just create an archive of it, and then you will have those messages for life. All right, my gosh, that was a lot on email. Hopefully, some of this stuff will be game-changing for you. I'd love to hear from you in the comments section at the ondeeperreflection.com site. And uh, this is Scott Weingart for the ODR Podcast saying bye-bye.